Welcome to another episode of the Bigger Pole Collective with Caveman. Today I'll be previewing week 14 of the NFL season. I'm here to show you all the best bets to make and the stats and numbers to back these up. As always, we're sponsored by Black Swan Bets. Get onto BlackSwanBets.com for all your tipping needs across a variety of sports. Black Swan Bets Smart Stake takes all the hassle out of betting, giving an algorithmic approach for you to expand your wallet. And make sure to jump onto our Facebook page to get all of our updates straight away, including our great free picks. Our first game this week is the Cardinals at the Giants. We've currently got the Giants plus two and a half and a total of 45 and a half. A lot of money is coming for the under in this one. With a lot of the Sharps hitting that one early. So the history in this one, this rivalry goes back all the way to 1926, with the Giants having a commanding 80-45-2 lead, although the Cardinals have won six of the last nine. The Giants have been an under team this season, going 3-9, to the under, and the Cardinals are 0-6, 100% to the under in away matches. Now, the Giants are starting to hit a wee bit of form, mainly centred around their defence at the moment. They have now won the last four games in a row. It's easy for the Giants' defence. If you stop DeAndre Hopkins, you stop the Cardinals. It's been as simple as that. The last three games, Hopkins hasn't hit 60 receiving yards, and it's been three Poor showings for the Cardinals. This Giants defense has been absolutely brilliant as of late. We've been saying all season, even when they were in that poor losing streak, their defense was still playing well. If Daniel Jones can get healthy in time, this game might start as a pick'em. So there is definitely some value on the Giants right now. I did prefer it at plus three a wee bit earlier in the week. Plus two and a half still looks okay though. Kyler Murray has looked absolutely shocking in the last few weeks. That shoulder injury really is hampering him and he's not taking off to run as much as he usually would as well. This Giants defense has allowed less than 100 yards per game on the ground this season at only 4.0 yards per carry. So just keep an eye on guys like Kenyon Drake in this one who don't project to have big games. Leonard Williams is having one of his best seasons, probably his best season since he entered the league. This is the first year where he's actually not only creating pressure, but finishing it off, getting to the quarterback, getting those sacks and filling up that stat sheet as well. Now in the last seven games here, the Giants are 5-2. and two with Tampa scoring the most points against them at 25. Their other loss, they let in 22. Every win in those five wins, they've allowed less than 20 points. I can definitely see this game going along the same lines. There is some value on the under 45.5 right now. This is a match between a team that is surging and a team that is falling. When this happens, you always want to be backing the surging team. These teams are both still alive for the playoffs, but the Giants are in a prime seat right now. 
They hold the advantage over Washington. They've got the tiebreakers there. So this definitely is a Giants team that could be pushing forward into the playoffs. Now, if you look at the teams the Cardinals have beaten this season, they've beaten an early season 49ers team. They beat the Dwayne Haskins football team. They beat the Jets, Dalton's Cowboys, Seattle in overtime before Seattle started learning how to play defense, and the Bills on the Hale Murray. That's not a great lineup of teams to be beating. I mean, the Seahawks and the Bills are the only two playoff teams in that, and they barely beat them. In fact, they probably should have lost both of those games. So it just goes to show this Cardinals team is not as good as people are saying. Player props to follow in this one. Now, they haven't released a lot of the lines as of yet, just because of the uncertainty around the Giants quarterback situation right now. But Wayne Gorman over 59.5 rush yards. The Cardinals' run defense hasn't been that great at all, and Gorman is really starting to hit his stride right now. Sterling Shepard over 49.5 receiving yards. Now, I don't love this one, but it is taking advantage of a slightly better matchup, and I think Shepard is going to be the one that should be able to produce this week. Chase Edmonds receiving yards. Now, I love the receiving yards props for this guy. I haven't seen any released as of yet, but I would take Chase Edmonds up to about 25 to 28 receiving yards. And Darius Slayton, just depending on how low his prop is, if you can get high 30s, maybe 41, 42 and a half, that could show a wee bit of value as he should be targeted for a few of those deep routes. Our next game is the Denver Broncos at the Carolina Panthers. We've currently got the Panthers at minus three. We've got a total of 46 and a half. And the Panthers are still dealing with COVID right now. So there has been a bunch of players that have been sitting out and being put on the COVID protocol. The most important one here, though, is DJ Moore, who has been a brilliant receiver so far this season. He is still on the COVID list, and we're not sure how he's going to trend. So Denver leads the series 5-1 to one all time, and five out of those six games have gone under 41 points. Denver is 7-5 and five against the spread this season, but they are 0-3 against the spread versus the NFC South. They have not played well against them at all. Panthers are 2-4 against the spread at home this season. This is my fade game of the week. So with that uncertainty of who's going to be playing for the Panthers, makes it very difficult to get a read on how this game is going to go. I do like Teddy Bridgewater to put a wee bit of a score up on the Broncos, but the Broncos have been decent enough on defense this season. McCaffrey was trending to be coming back this week, 
but it doesn't look like he's going to be now. He's picked up another injury. To be honest, I think they just need to shut him down for the rest of the season, get him healthy, get him right, and bring him back strong next year. Make sure to check the COVID list, as I was saying, so you can see who will be back and who's going to be playing for this Panthers outfit, as that's going to be a very important thing to keep an eye on to see how well this game can go. If a lot of those players don't come back, then it might be worth sticking a wee bit of a flyer on the Broncos here. Now, AJ Boye has got that PED suspension, so that takes away the top corner option for the Broncos. Obviously, Bryce Callahan is also out, so the top two corners are missing for the Broncos, so there is a chance to attack them out wide. This is where I'd be looking at guys like Robbie Anderson, who's going to get a lot of targets on that outside, especially if DJ Moore's not playing. And the other one is, of course, Curtis Samuel, who is definitely a yards guy. He can rack them up very, very quickly. The only issue with him is he is also their gadget player, so he does tend to take a few handoffs as well. Now, the Broncos have the worst special teams unit in the league. This is a bit of an overlooked kind of aspect of football, but when we come into December, special teams are very, very vital in deciding how games go. You look at guys like Cook Daryl Patterson, who are absolutely lights out at this time of year. It really starts to make a difference getting those few extra yards in field position, being able to kick those extra long field goals. It all adds up to be able to produce a big number on the score sheet. So the Broncos having the worst special teams in the league this year is definitely something to be taking note of. Now, player props in this one, as I said, with the uncertainty over the COVID situations, there's not a lot that's been released, but I do like a few matchups. So Curtis Samuel to go over receiving yards, Teddy Bridgewater over one and a half touchdowns and under one interception. I think both look good. Uh, Melvin Gordon to go over rushing yards. The Panthers have been poor against the rush. And Gordon looks to be hitting a wee bit of form. I think Noah Fant gets the best of the matchups for the Broncos receivers this week. So have a look at some receptions and yardage totals on Fant. And I don't mind Jerry Judy versus Troy Pride Jr. I'm not excited about it. But if you need a wee bit of filler and the number is low enough, he could provide a wee bit of value there too. Our next game this week is the Houston Texans at the Chicago Bears. We currently have the Texans at minus one, minus one and a half, and the total is sitting at an under over of 45 and a half. Now, Houston is undefeated against the Bears, winning all four previous matchups. The Texans are five and one to the over in away games this season with the only under being that Wendy Browns game. Now, I was saying last week this Bears team is starting to look like an over team. 
that defense is getting tired. They don't have the same pressure ability that they had at the start of the year. And the last two games have blown over for the Bears. Keep an eye on the weather here. We are expecting a wee bit of a cold game. And there should be a little bit of wind, but not too much to be able to offset that ball. Watson will be able to thread this tiring defense. I think this game sets up absolutely for a brilliant shootout. The Bears not being favored, even though it is a very close line, is big as well as the Bears have not done well as favorites this season. Houston probably should have won last week. And that would have been at the expense of one of our best bets, which was the Colts minus three and a half. But they missed it. They're going to really want to pull that one back. They're going to want to put a lot of points up. That one was a, wasn't even a bad snap. It was just a bad read by Deshaun Watson. He did not see that one coming at all. Now the Bears have been terrible guarding tight ends this season. They've given up 728 receiving yards and 9 touchdowns. That is absolutely huge numbers. So keep an eye on guys like Jordan Aikens this week who could be primed for a big game. The only thing with Aikens is he has shown a wee bit of inconsistency over the last few weeks. The Texans are allowing 38.4 yards per drive this season. Now... As I was saying in a previous show there, special teams gets very, very important at this time of year. So when you've got a guy like Cordero Patterson and he's able to get those extra few yards, then you couple that with something like the Texans who give so many yards away on defense. It really shows that this team could be in field goal and scoring percentage quite a lot in this game. The Texans with that high power offense, poor defense are an over team. As I was saying with this tiring defense, good special teams, better field position. This Bears team looks like an over team as well. Now this once vaunted Bears defense has allowed 75 points over the last two weeks. As I keep saying, they're starting to look tired. Mitchell Trubisky's under center. This could be an overplay on the Bears for the rest of the season. Now player props to keep an eye on in this one. Deshaun Watson over 283.5 passing yards. David Montgomery rush yards over 65.5 and over 25.5 receiving yards. I see a big day coming for David Montgomery in this one, up against the worst rush defense in the league. Alan Robinson just keeps on giving over five and a half receptions for him. He matches up with Vernon Hargraves, which is a brilliant matchup for Robinson. Cole Kmet is starting to take over that lead tight end role. Old man Jimmy Graham is finally fading away. So commit to go over 25 and a half receiving yards as the Texans haven't been great against tight ends either. Jordan Aikens, I like to score a touchdown in this one. I think with the Bears giving nine touchdowns away to tight ends, 
Sean Watson is going to look for his big man Aikens in the end zone. And Kiku Kuti, I haven't seen a stat line for him yet, but he played a brilliant game last week. And if you're going to attack the Bears, getting over the middle and getting the guy out of the slot seems like a good way to do it. Our next game up is the mighty Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins are sitting at plus seven and a half, and the total is at 50 and a half. Those are quite high numbers for this game. The Dolphins' defense has been brilliant this season. They are one of the best defenses on third downs. They're allowing some of the fewest passing yards. That pass defense is lights out. Xavier Howard is having one hell of a year when he can stay on the field and not get ejected. Miami are 9-3 against the spread this season and 5-1 and against the spread at home. They have gone 2-4 and four to the under at home and Kansas City has gone 2-4 and four to the under away. Now, this game has been starting to see a wee bit of money come onto it, and that money is all leading the same way, and that's to the over and to Kansas City minus the points. I'm actually starting to look the other way. I think this could be a great spot for an under game. The Dolphins have been playing as an under team. They are planning on starting Tua again, who is an under quarterback. This Chiefs defense hasn't been great, but they haven't been terrible either. They still should be able to get a play or two on Tua. Tua is not a good quarterback this year. The way to kind of evaluate Tua this season is instead of looking at him as a football player, look at him as a basketball rookie. Basketball rookies, unless they're the absolute creme de la creme, usually don't do a lot in that first season, and it takes till that second or third year till they can get a wee bit of match experience before they can really start breaking out and having a good career. That's the way I see Tua. He's not going to do anything this year. In fact, he's going to look bad. To be honest, I think they should shelve him for the rest of the season. You don't want to let him get his confidence down by not playing well, getting into the playoffs, having a big first-round loss, and then not being able to come back as strong next season because his confidence is shattered. Now, the Chiefs haven't covered a spread in the last four weeks. This is a team that looks like they can score at will, but just don't unless they're behind. If the Chiefs are behind, they will run down the field in 30 seconds and score a touchdown. No doubt about that. But when they're leading, they just don't really seem enthused about putting points on the board. The Dolphins don't let a lot of points in. They don't score a lot either. And that is absolutely vital when we're looking at under teams. This total of 49.5, 50.5 is very high for one of the best defenses in football. 
there's no way you would ever see a Steelers game reaching these heights or even a Bears game just because they don't think they're going to be able to put those points up. You can really see a lot of similarities between this Dolphins team right now and the Nick Falf Bears were between weeks 3 to 10. There's a lot of similarities between the style of play on defense and the slow inability to score points on offense. The Dolphins are one of the slowest teams at scoring points as well. They run the ball, they run the clock down, and they are absolutely set up to be an under team here. Tyreek Hill has been sick this week, and he had the absolute best matchup on the board coming out of the slot. Keep an eye on him. There's not been a lot of word over the last day or two as to whether he will be playing or not. If Hill is out, you absolutely have to get onto the McCall Hardman this week with that great matchup and being the number one slot guy. Hardman would be set for an absolute field day. If Tyreek does play, he does get a great matchup, but just beware he may be on a bit of a reduced time. So it looks like Hardman is going to be a bit of a play anyway. Travis Kelsey coming out of that middle as well is going to be huge. He'll take a lot of those slot snaps as well, especially if Hill isn't there. So I expect Kelsey to have a massive day. Kelsey will be the tight end for almost all of my DFS lineups this week. Now other player props in this game. Sammy Watkins, I like to go under the number. I think he's at about 37, 38 and a half receiving yards, but he's going to match up against Xavier Howard, and this is not going to be a good day for Sammy Watkins. I think you can just shelve him on this one. He should be able to have a, a decent enough matchup over the next couple of weeks, but he's just not going to be coming out strong for this game. Miles Gaskin came back and had a decent day last week. So him going over 56.5 rush yards looks quite nice. But just beware he would have to do a lot of this in the first half as the Dolphins will start to throw the ball a lot, especially if they're down at half time. Now, McCall Hardman, as I was saying, his number is down at 20.5 this week. That's just going to be a bit too low especially if Tyree Kill is either not playing or on a snap count. Now, Devontae Parker, his number is at 55.5. If for any reason before kickoff, we hear that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to come out and play in this one, absolutely go and get some Devontae Parker. I don't want any part of him if Tua is going to be the quarterback, but if Fitz is looking like starting in any way, you definitely want to go and get some Parker. He's going to have a brilliant matchup this week. Travis Kelsey, as I was saying, will be playing a lot through that middle. He'll be coming out of the slot a lot as well. Over 75 and a half receiving yards. Now, I know that's a big number, but Kelsey is the main guy, and he is going to be set for a big day. I also don't mind his over six and a half receptions. And it's low, 
put a dollar fifty three for him to score a touchdown. I think he can probably have a couple today. Our next game up here, we have the Vikings at the Buccaneers. Buccaneers finally got that bye last week, which they were absolutely devout of. That bye could not have come at a better time for a very tired Tom Brady. Now, the Vikings are currently at plus six and a half. The total has swelled up to 53. It did open originally closer to the 50 mark, and that has seen a lot of money. I really like the total at 51 and a half. 53 is starting to get a wee bit too high for me, so I might just have to fade this one. Now, the Vikings are 4-1 and one against the spread in away games this season. It's been at home where they have not been able to cover a spread at all. The Bucks are 3-1 and one to the over as a home favourite as well. And the Vikings have been an over team all season with that strong running game and that ability to hit the deep shot on play action when needed. Now, interestingly, the Vikings have allowed the fourth fewest red zone touchdowns and have one of the best red zone and third down defences in the league. This Vikings defense, I've been saying it's been starting to trend upwards. Well, they're actually now starting to look like a top 10 unit once again. Even though they have all of those injuries, Eric Kendricks looks like he won't be playing in this one. Obviously, Anthony Barr's out. There's no Daniel Hunter. There's no pass rush in any way. That defensive line has devout of big names but they are starting to play really well. I think the Vikings are in a pretty good spot here to be able to cover this spread. Now, I wouldn't go as far as saying they're going to win the game, and there's one easy reason for that. The Bucks have been simply brilliant against running backs. They have stopped the run week in and week out, and when the Vikings can't get Delvin Cook going and they can't get that run game going, there's not a lot of good things happening for them. Now, this game was not released at 7.5 for a reason. This is a Vikings team that is surging at the moment, playing a Bucks team that is falling. That's never a good spot for a team with a 43-year-old quarterback. Now, the Vikings have a 0.5 points over under for the first quarter. Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been one of the worst teams this season in allowing points in the first quarter of games. So the Vikings to score in the first quarter looks like a nice wee side bet in this one. Now, this Tampa Bay secondary might be worse than the Vikings secondary this week. They have looked horrific over the last month, and I can't see a lot to get better for this week when you have to deal with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. The tight ends for the Vikings may both not be playing, so we may not have Irv Smith or Kyle Rudolph in this one. 
which means I think Tyler Conklin comes in as the number three option, but probably won't see a lot of targets. Now, getting back to that, Vikings over half a point in the first quarter. The Bucks have given up seven and a half points on average in the first quarter this season. And the Vikings have scored in the first quarter in 10 out of 12 games. So there is a lot of numbers and a lot of stats to back this play up. Now, player props in this one, I do see a lot of SGM potential in this game. Now, the Vikings have only been great when they've been running the ball. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball that well. Even still, I can't go Delvin Cook under the number. He's just too good and too productive to be able to take that chance on. His number is 83.5. I'm not going to be taking it under, but I'm not going to be taking over that either. Mike Evans to score a touchdown at $2.33 looks very solid as he has been one of the best red zone targets this season. Kirk Cousins over yardage could be a decent one in this, especially if the Vikings are behind. And as I say, they won't be able to run the ball that well. So Kirk will be throwing it. So over 274.5 pass yards on Kirk. Justin Jefferson is at 73.5 receiving yards and Thielen at 5.5 receptions. I like the over on both of those. Uh, for the Buccaneers, Chris Godwin over 5.5 receptions. I think this is going to be a Chris Godwin day, but it is very difficult with that receiving core as there are so many players to spread the wealth around. Rob Gronkowski also looks like he should have a decent game with Eric Kendricks out. Now, one last thing to mention on this game is Kirk Cousins has been statistically, over the last seven weeks, the best quarterback in the league. So I do retract my earlier episodes where I have said Kirk Cousins is done. We should get rid of him. He is absolute trash. And I will correct this to say Kirk Cousins is done. Kirk Cousins is most of the time absolute trash. But he does go on runs from time to time. I still think we should get rid of him. Next up this week, we have an AFC South matchup with the Tennessee Titans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right now, we're looking at the Jaguars plus seven and a half, and the total is sitting at 52 and a half. Now, I really like the over in this game. I think the Titans have been playing as an over team all season, and the Jaguars have nothing to lose with Mike Lennon. Their defense has been terrible. They can still put points up offensively. This looks like a game that should be sailing over for me. The Titans have had a clear advantage recently, winning 8 out of the last 10 matches against Jacksonville, including the first game this season. Six of those 10 matches have also been heavily to the over as well. Now, Jacksonville are 3-1 and one against the spread in divisional games this year, 
So they have been able to keep it close in these AFC South matches. Again, this points us towards an over. Uh, the Titans are 0-3 against the spread as an away favorite as well. And that makes a lot of sense. As you see, the Titans had a big loss last week. The score sheet doesn't say it as well, but they really got thumped in that first half. When the Titans are a favorite, don't go near them. When they're a dog, absolutely take them every time. They are that ultimate team in that regard. Divisional matches in the AFC South have gone 6-2 and two to the over this season, with the Titans 4-0 and oh, and the Jaguars 3-1. and one. Offensively, the Titans are brilliant. Defensively, they have been an absolute disaster. They may have a top 5 to top 7 offense, but they have a bottom 3 defense, and it is getting to the time of year where defense is crucial. Right now, this Titans team could miss the playoffs, and I would say there's more of a chance of them missing the playoffs than there is of them winning the AFC South. Defense is everything. Derrick Henry has to do so much more if his defense is allowing over 30 points a game. With Derrick Henry, I do think he is in for one hell of a day. The Jaguars have been poor against running backs. Henry is going to be fired up after not having such a great game last week. I think Henry comes out, gets a couple of scores, gets over a buck fifty on the day. This is going to be a great breakout game for Derrick Henry to show what he can do for the rest of the season, especially when you consider the next two games are going to be versus the Lions and at the Packers, two teams that have proven poor run defenses. So Henry could set himself up to have an amazing end to the season. Always take the home dog in divisional matches. I don't have an exact stat on it, but the home dog in divisional games this season has been hitting, last time I checked, it was well over 75-80% against the spread. So definitely look into the home dog in this one. Plus 7.5 points is a lot of points for a Jaguars team that loves to cover. If you have a look with these two teams, they both don't mind scoring points in the first half. So looking at over 27 points in the first half, should be quite good as they have both been very poor defensively. You could easily see the Titans putting up 30 points in the first half on the back of Derrick Henry if they want to go that route. So over 27 total does look like a great way to bet this, especially if you're not that confident of the 52.5 for the full game. The Titans have been poor on special teams. As I keep saying this week, special teams is becoming more and more important the deeper into the season we get. If the Titans continue to give up poor field advantage, the Jags aren't going to have to do much to be able to get down the field and get into field goal or touchdown position. 
James Robinson has been brilliant this season. He's actually had the third most amount of touches of any running back in the league. So James Robinson could be having an absolute field day in this one as well. And if he doesn't have a long field to have to deal with, Robinson's going to get those guys into scoring position quite frequently on this game. Now, player props in this one. I like Mike Lennon to be throwing the ball a lot. I think if there's a lot of points in this one, they shelve the run game a wee bit. Uh, they'll still get Robinson involved, but it'll be more through the passing game. So Mike Lennon over 37.5 pass attempts seems like a decent shout for this one. Now, I always say never go towards a running back over 100 yards, but Derek Henry over 106.5 rush yards actually shows a wee bit of value here. He did have a poorer game last week, so that's why this number is a wee bit low. This number probably should be up around the 115, just for how good Henry's been and how good the matchup is for him. So there is a wee bit of value at the 106.5. Derek Henry does not catch a lot of passes, but I see some value this week with his over 7.5 receiving yards. I just feel this is going to be one of those games where the Titans are going to be able to get a few outlet passes to him. James Robinson, I see having a great game this week. Over 77.5 rush yards. Looks decent, but not great. Just because the Jags could go down early. Uh, so over 31.5 receiving yards is probably where I'll be playing this one. AJ Brown gets Trey Herndon. And we have been targeting Trey Herndon all season to great, great results. AJ Brown over 59.5 receiving yards. I think Brown actually comes out and has a day. Our next match is the Dallas Cowboys at the Cincinnati Bengals. We've currently got a line of the Bengals plus three and a half and we have a total at 43 at the moment now this has swelled a wee bit it opened at 42 i was originally leaning towards the over in this game but to be honest i think this is a spot for an outright fade both these defenses are terrible and this could go as a sneaky high score game but I don't want to be putting my eggs on the Andy Dalton and Brandon Allen basket. Now, the Cowboys are 2-10 against the spread this season, and 0-6 as a favorite. The Bengals are 4-1 against the spread at home this year. So I would take a slight lean to the Bengals plus the points, but it's definitely not going to make my card. This is the Andy Dalton revenge game, going back to Cincinnati and showing what the Red Rifle can do. I think he's going to want to shoot his rifle off this week. Whoever plays running back for the Bengals is going to have a massive game on the ground. Giovanni Bernard is most likely to be that guy, but I think it's going to be a bit more of a committee approach than we are hoping for. 
So they're going to use a few different options to be able to attack this terrible run defense. The Cowboys have allowed the second most yards on the ground to opposing backs, but they've allowed the least receiving yards to backs, which is a very interesting stat. It shows that they allow them early downs to get in, but they really shut them down when they get to third down and beyond. The Bengals have given up the most targets and receiving yards to opposing tight ends this season, so keep an eye on guys like Dalton Schultz and even CeeDee Lamb coming out of the slot should have decent matchups this week. Now, the Bengals special team unit has been brilliant this year. Again, I keep harping on this week, special teams, special teams, this is starting to become more and more important. Now, the Bengals having a great unit means the Cowboys are going to have to travel further down the field than what they would usually have. And it's shown all season when the Cowboys have a long field, they can't do much at all. Player props to follow in this one. Dalton Schultz over 36.5 receiving yards. Amari Cooper over 56.5 receiving yards. He gets a good matchup on the outside and is starting to hit some form. Tyler Boyd over 55.5 receiving yards. Again, I put that warning out there with Tyler Boyd. I like the over, but I still haven't seen that connection with Brandon Allen. He had a 70-odd yard game last week and then promptly got ejected. So we didn't really get to see what could have been with Tyler Boyd. But he did show that he has that breakaway speed and can turn one pass into a big reception to the house. Giovanni Bernard, I like his rush numbers this week. Obviously, as I was saying, the Cowboys have been good defending receiving backs. So Bernard over 57.5 rush yards. But just be careful because they could use a committee approach in this one. Now we get a nice late window this week with six games in the late window. We're going to start off with the Colts at the Raiders. Now the Colts are minus three and the total is sitting at 51 and a half right now. Ooh, Colts minus two and a half on some books. They're starting to get some money there and that's shoring up. I really like the Colts minus three. If you can get the Colts minus two, that is even better. This is a series that always has a lot of points scored since 2000. Five out of nine matches have had at least 55 points scored in them. The Colts are 4-1 and one against the spread this season as a favorite, and they generally have high-scoring games away from home, low-scoring games at home. So the Colts should be primed for a big one this week. Vegas' defense is terrible, and they will put points up at home. Betting their home games to go over has been great value this season. Now, the one thing to hold the Colts back here, they do travel through three time zones to get to Vegas. 
So it is a true road game for them, but the Raiders give up that many points. It shouldn't really matter. The Raiders have given up points on 48.8% of opponents' drives. That is a huge number. Almost 50% of opponents' drives have ended in scores against the Raiders. That is absolutely massive. These two defenses are worlds apart from each other. This could be a poor spot for Indy, but they are in a must-win spot. They've got the Texans and then the Steelers coming up next, which are going to be two hard games. Texans are going to want to avenge that last second loss they had last week. And at the Steelers in week 16 is going to be a huge game. I'll tell you right now, that game is going under. So this is a must-win game for the Raiders. If they can't win this, they get into a shootout with the Texans next week. Then they've got the game at the Steelers. This team could be on the brink of missing the playoffs. So this is a must-win game for the Colts this week. Jonathan Abram looks to be out for this one. He has been the Raiders' best defensive player this season. So that is going to be huge for them. The Colts' offensive line's injuries are starting to become very crucial. Anthony Costanzo may be out again. If he's out again, this offensive line doesn't have the same pop that it does with him. But the interior of the line is still very strong. Last week, the Raiders allowed 178 rushing yards to Ty Johnson and Josh Adams. Now, Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor are much better than Johnson and Adams, so I can see the Colts having a big game on the ground this week. Josh Jacobs looks unlikely to play, which makes a tough jobs for the Raiders' run game even worse, as they're going up against one of the best running defenses in football. The Raiders have given up the third most targets to opposition running backs through the air. So I like Jonathan Taylor on the ground this week, but I like Naeem Hines for his receptions totals. The Raiders have given up 19 rushing touchdowns this season. That's the second most in the league, and that is an absolutely huge number. So whoever you like on the ground, whether it be Hines or Taylor, take them to get a touchdown as well. Bobby Okereke looks to be back. He'll be guarding up against tight ends. He's done okay this season. I still like the matchup against him. But this Colts defense has always played better this season when every piece is there and every piece is gelling together. Whenever one piece is missing... The defense just doesn't look the same. So having a full defense back this week is going to be a strong statement for them. Player props to look into on this one. Derek Carr to go over 33.5 passing attempts. I think they are going to be throwing the ball a lot. They're not going to find success in the run game. So they are definitely going to be looking to air it out. Nelson Aguilar to go over 39.5 receiving yards. So he should get a decent matchup going deep. 
and Derek Carr's going to try and sling him some ball. T.Y. Hilton is starting to break out. I called it on the show last week. I even went and picked him up on the waiver wire in a bunch of my fantasy leagues. T.Y. Hilton balled out in that one, and I expect him to ball out again in this one. T.Y. 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 Jonathan Taylor to go over 53.5 rushing yards. Now, Taylor, I project to be the lead back on the ground this week up against a very poor Raiders run defense. Taylor should have himself a day. The only other one I've got here is Darren Waller. Now, I don't like the Darren Waller matchup this week as much as I did last week. But it's still a decent enough one. Six and a half receptions is a little high. So it would take Derek Carr forcing him the ball. He did it last week. I would lean to the over. But it's not going to be good enough to make my card. Our next game is the New York Jets at the Seattle Seahawks. We currently have the Jets plus 13 and a half. A total of 46 and a half and a 70% chance of rain. The Jets have won 8 of the last 12 matches against the Seahawks, but the Hawks have won the last 3 straight since Pete Carroll took over. Seattle is 4-2 against the spread at home this season. If it wasn't for the rain, I would be all in on the over in this game. I still think it's going to go over, but I can't get there with that weather factor playing a part. The Seahawks have not won games by more than 10 points much at all over the years, maybe the last four or five years. They really don't like winning games by more than 10 points. So 13 and a half is a bit too much for the Seattle team to be laying, especially considering we have seen improved play from the Jets recently. Mostly when they don't all out blitz though. Russell Wilson has started to look bad over the last few weeks and he needs a bounce back win. This puts them in very dangerous territory. Last time Wilson was looking poor and needed a bounce back win. He really put the nails down on Kyler Murray and he forced the ball to DK Metcalf. So there could be a lot of this happening again this week. The over could definitely be in play here, but as I say, the weather has to hold up first. The Jets could be without Mims, Gore, and Perryman, all on offense. If these guys can't play, the over is out. Don't want any part of that. Greg Williams last week, wow. He really did not want to win that game. An all-out blitz on basically a Hail Mary throw is one of the stupidest play calls I have ever seen. It's the type of play call where you should be fired. Hey, he got fired. Yeah, he deserved to get fired. He doesn't coach in the NFL again. But I would say he's probably going to get a nice wee envelope for that play call because what he did do is he just won the Jets' Trevor Lawrence. So there could have been a wee bit of a sneaky, I'll give you a cool mill under the table 
a few all-out blitz here and lose this game. We'll have to fire you, but we'll make it worth your while. You were going to get fired at the end of the season anyway. I can see Wilson bouncing back. This is a terrible, terrible secondary. They may be without both of their starting safeties as well, who are both banged up right now. That makes the secondary even worse. Seattle doesn't win games big. That was what we were preaching last week when they had the minus 10 versus the Giants. They ended up losing that game. Uh, the Giants was a great play there last week. Tyler Lockett has not looked as good as his stats say this year. He's had three good games, and every other game has been under 70 receiving yards and just not elite. He's a good slot receiver. He's not an elite slot receiver. So even though he gets a great matchup this week, I'm leaning DK Metcalf. You just have to, especially when Wilson wants to get a win, he's going to go to his big elite receiver. Braxton Berrios this week could be a great play, especially with Mims and Perryman both out. Berrios should see a few more snaps. So Berrios to go over three and a half receptions currently is sitting at $2.10. There could be a lot of value on Berrios this week. Other player props here. Will Disley gets a great matchup against the team that was torched for 200 yards and two scores by Darren Waller last week. Him to go over 19.5 receiving yards seems a lovely number there. Russell Wilson passing yards. I haven't seen a number for it yet, but he could have an absolute day. So I expect him to go for over 300 this week. DK Metcalf over 79.5 receiving yards. I expect a lot of Wilson's receptions to be going to Metcalf. This guy is elite. He is a boss. Metcalf will be balling out in this one. Tyler Lockett over 66.5. Now this one is only matchup based. He gets the good matchup. This could end up being a Tyler Lockett day again where he goes for a massive day. The thing with Tyler Lockett is he's either going to go under that total or he's going to go way, way, way over it. I think there's more of a chance of him going over 120 yards than there is for him going between 70 and 100. He's the type of guy that if he goes big, he goes big. But if he doesn't go big, he's going to be having about 40 to 50 receiving yards on about five or six receptions. So that's just something to keep an eye on for that one. Our next game is the Atlanta Falcons at the LA Chargers. Chargers are currently plus two and a half and the total is 49 and a half. Now the Falcons hold an 8-2 series lead all time versus the Chargers and have won all five matches away from home. The Chargers will want to score points in this. They put up a donor against the Patriots and Bill Belichick absolutely crushed Justin Herbert. He had the perfect game plan to plan against him. We called it on the show saying 
he was going to shut down the rookie, and he did. The Chargers have once again one of the worst offensive lines in football. This is a narrative that has been true for years and years and years. It stays true once again. They're just lucky they go up against a Falcons side that doesn't have a pass rush. The Falcons have the worst defense in yards allowed this season, so Herbert could definitely look to get back on track and get a few yards in this one, especially on the outside. The Chargers have given away the worst starting field position at the 33.3 yard line. This means Matt Ryan would only have about 30 yards needed to gain on average in order for him to get into scoring position, especially with the way that Youngway Koo has been kicking the ball. He's been absolutely lights out wherever he's kicked from on the field, so it means the Falcons can definitely put some points up in this one. Nobody likes losing to zero, and the Chargers will come back strong. They could definitely put some points up in this one, if you know where I'm going here. This is a non-conference away game for the Falcons, sandwiched between the Saints and the Buccaneers. So this is not a good spot for the Falcons at all. That is why I'm slightly leaning towards the Chargers, but I'm not going to be able to get to the window with them. If I'm going anywhere in this game, it's going to be the over. Since 1991, teams that were shut out are 108-79, 58% against the spread the next week. So their stats over a long period of time say that the Chargers come back strong in this one. Atlanta can score at any time that they don't play the Saints, and that has been shown twice over the last month. The Falcons have been one of the worst teams against running quarterbacks, so although Herbert is not a traditional running quarterback, he is definitely mobile, and he can break away from that pocket and rarely stretch his legs for a few first downs. The Chargers' pass rush over the last few weeks has been abysmal. There has been very little pressure. The sacks haven't been getting there. This is just not a great spot for the Chargers' defense. I think they're starting to give up the ghost a wee bit. We could see some points in this one. Now, Julio Jones is likely out which means Calvin Ridley will be taking over that number one receiver spot again, and he is more than capable of doing so. The Falcons give up a touchdown 70% of the time when opponent reaches the end zone. That is the second highest mark in football. So the Chargers definitely have a chance to put up some points. Player props I like in this one. Herbert to go over 11.5 rush yards. That is purely matchup based. Justin Herbert to go over 282.5 passing yards. This one I like because they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. That Atlanta secondary has been poor. And this game looks like shootout potential. Young Wei Koo has been on fire this season. Young Wei Koo over 7.5 kicking points. With that poor field position that the 
charges give up, that's going to give Young Wei Ku a lot more kicking opportunities because of the short field that the Atlanta Falcons will have to drive in order to get into scoring position. Austin Eckler to go over 54.5 rush yards. Now, Eckler has been brilliant since he came back. Obviously, there was not a lot of opportunity for him last week, but he still showed more promise than every other Chargers running back combined. His receiving totals at 40 yards, little too high for a running back not named Alvin Kamara for me, so I'll probably be looking at fading that one. Mike Williams over 44.5 receiving yards. This is a guy that likes to ball out from time to time. And I can see him having another good one this week. Keenan Allen over 6.5 receptions and 73.5 yards. Justin Herbert's going to want to get back to basics. He's going to go back to Allen. He's going to go back to Hunter Henry as well. But the Falcons have been okay versus tight ends as of late. So I would rather have Keenan Allen than Hunter Henry in that spot. For the Falcons there, Calvin Ridley over five and a half receptions. If Julio's out, that's an absolute no-brainer for Ridley. And Hayden Hurst to go over 35 and a half yards. Again, that one is purely matchup based. Next up, we have an NFC North showdown with the Green Bay Packers at the Detroit Lions. So the Packers are currently 9-point favourites here. And the total has come down. It opened at 55.5. We are down to 54 on the total right now. The history, these teams have played each other 183 times. And it's generally a high-scoring game. We are playing in Detroit, and let's all remember, games go over in Detroit. That is a fact. That is something that has happened the last couple of years. Games just go over the total in Detroit. The Packers are 4-2 to the over away. Detroit is 5-0 to the over at home. NFC North Divisional games have gone 7-1 to the over this season. These teams have not had as great defense as they would usually have. Packers' defense has been average. Detroit doesn't have a defense. The Vikings' defense has only been good recently. And the Bears' defense, although good at the beginning of the season, has started to fade away as of late. This total is very high, but this game looks like it's going to go over. The Lions have nothing to lose. For the rest of the season, they've sacked their coach. They've got a new guy coming in. He's probably just going to be the interim, but this is a game where they want to score some points. The Lions have 11 straight over games at home. Lions go over at home. The Packers and Aaron Rodgers have played brilliant in domes this year. They have put up over 30 points every time they've been in the dome. And this is definitely going to be the case again. Kenny Golladay is out again. Like, what is going on with Kenny Golladay? I think by this point they should just put him on ice for the rest of the season, no matter what. 
They don't really have much to play for. I think even if they run the table, they probably still can't make the playoffs. It'll be a very tough ask for them. But I don't really see it happening. DeAndre Swift is looking like coming back this week. Although he will probably be on a snap count and be in more of a rotation with Adrian Peterson. And a wee bit of carry on Johnson, who I didn't think was a terrible running back. But he's not been getting shown a lot of love at all this year. Both of these teams have been terrible against receiving running backs, giving up the second and third most yards to receiving backs, as well as 12 combined touchdowns. I definitely see the receiving backs in this game having decent matches. So player props here. Jamal Williams receiving yards over. This is usually sitting around the 10-11. I'd say it's probably up to about 12 or 13-yard mark in this one. I'll be taking the over in this one. This actually feels like a Jamal Williams game. So I'm definitely all in for the Jamal Williams stats in this one. Aaron Jones, I like his rushing and his receiving props. TJ Hawkinson to go over his receptions. Now, as I'm pulling these out, there's still no lines up for this game. So it is something just to keep a wee bit of an eye out for. Danny Amendola gets good matchup if he comes back healthy, but I'll probably be looking to fade him. Alan Lazard, this could be another Lazard game. So keep an eye on him. But the number one guy to take on props this week, Devontae Adams. Now, the number's probably going to be up around the high 80s. And the receptions is probably going to be at 7.5. But I like Adams' yards over. I like Adams' receptions over. I like Adams' two-plus touchdowns at $3.60. I think Adams has a huge day in this one. And if the number's low enough, take some MVS, some Marquez Valdez Scantling over. I know I don't like this guy, but this feels a bit like an MVS day. In fact, this just feels like a huge day for the Packers offense. I am already looking at Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers in my DFS lineups. Even looking at a bit of MVS in DFS, but I haven't quite got to the window on that yet. Our next game is going to be the New Orleans Saints at the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles. So we currently have the Saints sitting at minus seven. And we have the total sitting at 43. This is a game where the total has come down. It originally opened at 45. I absolutely loved the under at 45. I got a wee bit of early money on it. Now it's come down to 43. The value's not quite there. But if you had to pick a side in this one, that's where I would be going. Since 2006, the Saints have won 7 out of 9 games versus the Eagles in what is usually a high-scoring match. 
Seven of those nine games went over 50 points. But this week it is Taysom Hill versus Jalen Hurts. Two running quarterbacks who have not showed enough through the air to show that they'll be able to put points on the board. Both these teams like to get after the quarterback as well with the Eagles 38 and the Saints 36 sacks on the season. The Saints are in their third straight road game and have Kansas City on deck. So this could be a poor spot for the Saints. They don't have to win this game. They could lose this game and still keep close to that number one seed. Obviously, depending on how the Packers go. But this is not a must-win game for the Saints. Next week versus the Chiefs is going to be a very interesting game. That one could preview a Super Bowl matchup. So that one is going to be more intriguing to follow than what it is for them to win in Philadelphia this week. If Doug Pedersen wants to keep his job this year... He needs to run the ball, Doug. He continually doesn't do it, yet the Eagles have been great on the ground. He just will not run the football. It's simply fascinating how you can completely disregard one aspect of the game. With Jalen Hurts in the lineup, I think they're almost forced into running the football. Hurts is going to be running the football himself. He, especially being a rookie, is a read one, maybe read two, run the ball guy. Whereas Carson Wentz is a read one, read two, get sacked kind of guy. So this is definitely a game where guys like Miles Sanders could actually break out and have that rushing performance that they've been needing from their running backs for weeks now. The Eagles have conceded the second most rush yards to quarterbacks at 331. So Taysom Hill on the ground could be a great wee play this week. The Saints have conceded the least rushing yards to quarterbacks. But they haven't really played anyone of note who is nimble on their feet. So this could also be a great spot for Jalen Hurts to be able to come out and have a few good runs. In fact, if you could find a bet where Taysom Hill and Jalen Hurts combine for over 100 yards on the ground, I think that is a great bet for this game. I might even put the request into a book or two player props to look in in this one. Greg Ward over two and a half receptions. When you have rookie quarterbacks coming in, they like their tight ends. They like their slot guys. So I can see Ward coming out of that slot and having a decent game. I'm going to be fading the tight ends because with Ertz and Goddard there, you don't know which one is going to be getting the targets this week. Jalen Hurts over 38.5 rush yards. Taysom Hill over 46.5 rush yards. Like them both, these quarterbacks are going to be moving the ball on their feet. Now, there's a couple of ones here that I see as nice value. Traquan Smith, over 18.5 receiving yards. He doesn't have a terrific matchup this week, but he was that outlet guy for Taysom Hill last week. He found him in the spots where he really needed those conversions. 
So I can see Smith having that same role again this week and getting those key third down catches. Alshon Jeffrey over 11.5 receiving yards. Now, Jeffrey was used on almost 50% of passing plays last week. His number is starting to go up a wee bit, and he looks to be replacing Travis Fulgham in that lineup. With a big body like Jeffrey, Hertz could look to target him as his possession guy. So keep an eye on Jeffrey. The number's low enough that it should be one or two catches. Jeffrey has the potential to be able to do this. He is a wee bit washed up, but I still think Jeffrey has a role to play for this offense. Our next game is going to be the Washington football team at the San Francisco 49ers. Of course, this game again is going to be played in Arizona, so not a true home game for the Niners. We're currently sitting at the Niners minus three and a half, three on some books if you can get it, and the total is sitting at 43 and a half. Now, with this game here, there has been a lot of sharp money on the under. So, 63% of tickets have been put on the over, 88% of the cash has come to the under. That means the Sharps are betting the under in this game, and that's the only way I would go for it. I can't see this game going over. It's either under or not at all for me. But either way, I like the 49ers to win this. So the 49ers lead 21 to 11 and 1 all time and have won four of the last six matches. Both of these teams have been brilliant at stopping offenses in the red zone. They've got two of the Best rates at turning touchdowns into field goals or nothing at all. So I really like these teams to be playing the match around that 50-yard zone. They're not going to be getting towards the red zone much at all. Washington has been stout against receiving backs this year. So keep an eye on the receiving props for the plethora of 49ers running backs. I don't think they're going to be catching as many passes this week. Now, after teams play the Steelers, they generally lose the next week. And that's because the Steelers are such a physical team and they beat up on you. So I could definitely see Washington a bit banged up, a bit sore. They're coming into their second or third road game. I think it's their third straight road game. They're going to be tired. I just can't see much happening from this Washington unit this week. Ron Rivera, though, has done wonders with this team. That defense is absolutely humming. The offense has been an upgrade since Alex Smith has come back. And whether it is with Washington or someone else next year, this guy still has a place in the league. This is a terrible spot for Washington, as I was saying. Their third straight road game here. When a team is on their third straight road game, 
and had an upset win in week two of that. They are only 29% against the spread the following week. So there's definitely stats, numbers. Everything shows the 49ers are going to win this game. Minus three, minus three and a half looks like a great number as well because this game is going to be more than a field goal in separation. Alex Smith has won Comeback Player of the Year. That fight is over. He could sit the rest of the season. He could throw 10 picks and one touchdown the rest of the season, and Alex Smith wins Comeback Player of the Year. That competition is done. Now, if you look at the 49ers' recent losses, they've all been against playoff teams. With Washington, they don't look like they're going to make it to the playoffs. Sure, they're on a wee bit of a run at the moment, but they have a match against the Seahawks next week. The Seahawks are going to be in a must-win spot in that game. They don't look to be as great favorites in this game. That would put their record to 5-9. and nine. And at that point, with losing the tiebreaker against the Giants, this season's kaput. It's done. It's over. So they do have to win this game, but they're just not going to be able to do it. They're going to be too tired. They're going to be too beat up. It's just not a good spot for them. Logan Thomas gets a very tough matchup. The 49ers have been the best at defending tight ends all season. And Thomas is one of Alex Smith's great outlet options. Player props in this one. And there's not a lot that I like. J.D. McKissick. We have big on J.D. McKissick last week. This week, with Antonio Gibson out, I don't think his receiving yards are going to be as high, but I do think his rushing yards will be. So McKissick over 35.5 rushing yards looks a nice wee spot here to take advantage of the other side of that ticket. His receiving number is also at 35.5, but that's just a little bit too high for me as he is going to be taking more of that first down work. Alex Smith to throw an interception at $2.20. That number is just a little bit too high for me. $2.20 is a great spot, especially when Alex Smith is going to be a bit beaten up after getting hit by that Steelers defense last week. Our final game on the Sunday ticket this week is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Buffalo Bills. It's Sunday night football. We've currently got the Steelers plus one, one and a half. We have the total sitting at 48. Now the Steelers have won 10 of their past 12 matches against the Bills. And the total has only gone over 46. Three out of 12 of those times. Since 2015, the Steelers have gone 14, 5, and 1, 74% against the spread, and 6, 13, and 1, 68% to the under, as an away dog. We always say it, you bet the Steelers on the under as an away team. We've been doing it all year, and we're going to continue to do this because the Steelers have two big under games 
away from home left on their schedule. The Steelers, as an away dog, you definitely, absolutely have to bet the under here. This game is not going to be high scoring. The Steelers are going to be really pissed off. They messed up that perfect season. They are going to come out strong. Sure, they're playing their third game in 12 days, but this Steelers team is well coached. They are very athletic. They are going to come out and want to absolutely demolish the Buffalo Bills. A lot of love for this Bills team by the Sharps early on. This game opened as a pick'em. It pushed out to plus two and a half for the Steelers. I hit this at plus two and a half on the Steelers. That's the side that I want to be on in this game. And I think that value was definitely there at the plus two and a half points. Now that it's back to plus one, plus one and a half, you're better to bet this game on the money line, whichever side you prefer. Like I say, for me, it's Steelers and under. Josh Allen is still an inconsistent quarterback when it comes to throwing the ball. Let's not forget that he's put more games together this year than he has in the past, but he still had those games where he's capitulated, and especially up against a strong defense like he gets this week, this looks like another one of those capitulating games. The Steelers will take away the Bills' passing game to their running backs, and force them to throw the ball deep, which is where the Steelers are absolutely prime, and the Bills have not been so great this season. The Bills' best plays have all been short yardage plays, where they get their receivers to make the ground on their feet. This just looks like a bad matchup for the Bills all across the board. The Bills have been terrible against tight ends this season, so look for Ben to lean on Eric Ebron in this one. Allen's going to have to have his wits about him, as this pass rush is coming. Last week, the pass rush did not happen at all in the first half for the 49ers. Allen just had so much time in the pocket. They started rushing the passer late in the game. Allen started getting skittery. He didn't play near as well. This week, the Steelers are bringing that pass rush from the first snap of the game, and it will not stop coming. I can see Allen getting sacked at least three or four times here, and getting close to being sacked probably another six times. He is going to have to be absolutely lightning on his feet. The Bills' rush defense has given up 4.7 yards per carry and 16 touchdowns this year. James Conner is going to be back, which is huge news for that Steelers offense. They're going to look to lean on him to run that clock down and work the field. Joe Hayden is going to be out in this game, so that is going to put a wee bit of a dent in the Steelers' secondary but this secondary is so deep, that's not going to make too much of an issue. They're just going to rotate everyone round one. With Hayden being out, this gives a bit more of a chance for a guy like Gabriel Davis, who has been having a nice few weeks since John Brown has been out. So I like Gabriel Davis to go over 47.5 receiving yards in this one. 
Cole Beasley had a monster game last week. We called it on the blog there, and he was lightning for me in DFS. Cole Beasley this week, under 68.5 receiving yards. That number has inflated to its peak, so it's time to go under that and bring it back down to earth. It's a poor matchup against Mike Hilton, one of the best slot corners in the league. Hits at home, where Beasley's biggest games have all been away. And I just don't see it happening for him this week, to be honest. It's just a bad spot for Beasley. Eric Ebron gets that great matchup, so over 40.5 receiving yards for Eric Ebron. I think that's a great wee shout there. Ben has leaned on him from time to time, and when he does, he leans on him heavily. Dawson Knox gets a hard matchup against the Steelers. Now, Dawson Knox hasn't had a lot of receptions or targets this season, so his number inflating out to 23.5, it's time to bring that back down to earth as well. Dawson Knox under 23.5 receiving yards. And my favorite one for this week will be Juju Smith-Schuster. The slot receiver versus the Bills always take the slot receiver playing against the Bills. Week after week after week after week, it is an over. This just looks like an absolute sure thing to me. Juju Smith-Schuster over 58.5 receiving yards versus, I think it's Taron Johnson at the moment as that Bills slot receiver. He's also paying 2 bucks forty-five for the touchdown. I can see Schuster balling out on this one. Well, that does it for another episode of the Bigger Pole Collective. Thank you for listening. We're, of course, brought to you in association with Black Swan Bets. Get onto BlackSwanBets.com to take advantage of the great tips and offers. Of course, all of our best bets are on the Black Swan Bets Smart Stake. So get onto that and see all of our amazing value. We hope you enjoyed our content. Don't forget to like and subscribe and get onto our Facebook page so we can continue to bring you more amazing videos.